If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. on contingency no encore hello my <laughs> name is dave hanready and there will be no encore do you like that i loved it dave <laughs> loved it You're very welcome two-man job two-man show this week on episode 148 of the no encore music podcast i think this is our first two-man job together i think we did it once did we maybe it might be me, me and Colm and you and Colm. yeah well Colm, may he rest in peace after all these years so dahi's not back <laughs> basically is what we're saying dahi is i think on a plane right now Oh coming, yeah, coming home from as uh, how long's the flight? Is it a couple of flights? It probably is. Yeah. How long was the fucking holiday? Is the question? <laughs> because <laughs> the holiday's never over with that boy. So because like uh, he's on my Instagram, as are the other members of his party. Yeah, it has felt like he's been on holiday in Sri Lanka for like approximately of... six months. <laughs> like there's been so many updates. Um, Zara Hedeman put it well when she said, "When is Dahi coming home from his never-ending?" Peter Andre music video holiday. <laughs> and that's kind of what it's been like. Um, what are like the biggest cliches you've seen? What's the how many boxes have been ticked on, ticked on the uh, Sri Lankan? <laughs> there's been a few of them, I don't know if I can say. <laughs> Alright, okay. Like, yeah. there's been, there's been, there's been a Hit up Dahi's Instagram <laughs> if you want to. There's been a couple of photographs where I'm like, I don't think I'd take that photograph. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Fair enough. I don't think I don't think I should take that photograph. I, uh, so anyway, well, there's been some good stuff. There was a great photograph of Dahi uh, drinking out of a coconut. As promised. What was he drinking out of it? I presume it was like coconut Kahlua water or something. Oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't invited, by the way. 
You weren't invited. I wasn't invited. Jesus. People ask me, they're like, why didn't you go? And I was like, because I wasn't invited, mate. I wasn't invited either. Uh, I, Maybe I, next time, eh? It's good that I didn't. Maybe next time. It's good that I didn't go because if I had gone and like booked the trip and like been like spending money on it, I would have been screwed because uh, I got evicted a little while ago. You did, yeah. Before we recorded the last Over episode. Over the Christmas period. Yeah, it was when we came in here to the studio to record the final episodes of the show. I got a note saying we're being evicted. <laughs> it's like, what? Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I've landed on my feet and I've managed to find a place and I've moved house. Yeah. So, you know, put down that uh, helpful tweet, listener. Uh, and it's in walking distance of town, which you discovered. An hour and 20 minutes on foot from my door to where I work. Not yes. like your first day in the gaff and you then proceeded to take a full bath. Uh, that wasn't my first day. Oh, uh, was, that was the second. Day, I can't it? believe I can't believe we're going we're, we're going there. Uh, this should be a fun episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm one, just saying it would have been a red no, flag for no me either, as no your housemate. Why did I have a bath in front of my housemate? <laughs> I took a very long walk to test out the area. Yeah, having moved in. Yeah, I think it was the day after I moved in, and I walked it's that weekend. Yeah, and it was a very long walk, but I was like, fine, I'm getting barons. And because I screwed up getting the bus home, I got off at the wrong stop and I had to walk a half an hour with like a two percent battery phone on using Google Maps. And I'm really not good at life, guys. Like this, yeah. th- th- this is true. You need it. And essentially, I was like, "Fuck this!" Only one thing for it: <laughs> my dogs are barking, <laughs> and there's a bath in this house. I haven't had access to a bath in a long time. <laughs> the decadence. So I took a bath, <laughs> and I didn't shower afterwards, which is my rule about, about baths. You know, you know this, right? Hold on, no. I've, I've said this before. I'm Take, sure you have, but why is it a rule that it's an actual rule? It's not just yeah. A, it should be a rule. Yep. Okay, because you're lying in your own filth. That's what you're doing in the bath. Oh, sorry. I thought you said you didn't shower. After yeah, the bath. I should have, but I didn't. Oh, I was, sorry. I was too, okay, you broke your I, rule. I was too. I thought there was a rule where you never showered after a bath. There was some no, weird yeah, yeah, much water like, conservation. Much like Batman thing. when he faced off with the Joker, I broke my one rule, uh, <laughs> and I didn't shower. You should, you should, in my opinion, shower right you after should, a bath yes, because you yes. should wash all the scum off yourself <laughs> that you've been lying in, congealing, as it were. But I, I was too that long walk was it? I was too spent. <laughs> I, I was emotionally shattered by it. Good bath though. Anyway, so you settled in. Yeah, I'm I've here. settled into the gaff. I'm getting used to the commute. Good, I'm I've had a few like uh, strange people talk to me at bus stops at the last bus home at night. One man last night talking to me about my headphones, and I was convinced he was going to rob them. Well, it's uh, like you never left Drada. A lot of me is still in Drada, I think. And essentially, he was like, "I bought an MP3 player," uh, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he's like, "What you listen to?" And I said, "The new James Blake album." <laughs> And he was like, oh my God, can you hit me up with the link? No, he said, I've never heard of him. He also said something strange. Uh, I was trying to, I I was trying to like steer it back to some kind of normality. And I went, ah, football podcast. I listened to some of those as well. You know, yourself, Mm -hmm. mate, football, yeah? See the match, yeah? (laughs) Beautiful game. (laughs) (laughs) See the match last night? Uh, And he started going on about how the Premier League has gone very the same over the last few years. It's gotten very whatever. And I assumed he meant the style of football. Okay. brand of football that yeah. is, is played or maybe the, the pressing bu- game maybe, yeah maybe the business aspect of the whole thing but he then centered in on something and he said you know they all have this th- th- this is a direct quote from this person i just met mm-hmm. they all have like you know and he pointed to the sides of his head he goes they all have these haircuts like this way and their noses look a certain way and their, their, noses. their heads yeah he focused in on what these people look like hold on what was the description of actually don't go see into this it. is what i'm saying i tried to steer it away at that point because i realized what i was dealing with yes. what i was dealing with craig was, <laughs> was a racist a racist <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like fuck i was like and then of course you're standing there being friendly with the guy and then you're like oh great now by proxy 
but hold on. I the guess way he was I'm approaching being... this was like very softly, softly. Have you noticed their hair? Yeah. And then it was all yeah. adding up. And then he basically like stopped short of like, you know, <laughs> Jesus a, a racial epithet. And I was like, oh God. And then it was like, we got on the same bus. And thankfully he went upstairs and that was the last I resolved him. But I was convinced I'd made a new friend. Yeah, I, yeah. That was either going so to... So he re- won't be guesting on the pod next no, week. he won't be. Okay. He might be guessing on a different kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alex I'd, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Infowars. One, one I don't ever want to hear. Yeah. So the move has been good. It's good. I'm, I'm getting used to it, you know. Um, I, like I'm getting used to the area. It's a very nice area. It's like it's like a gated community kind of. Like there's lots of families <laughs> there in a home. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a gated. Community. It's, it, it's it's very suburban though, and there's families everywhere, right? So like the other day when I was going to work, I walked by and there was a family across the street. Some bloke taking lots of footballs out of the boot of his car. I presume he's a coach or something. Yeah, and he does little kid there and his wife. They look like you know your two point four children situation, except the fourth child wasn't there. Does that work? Uh, essentially, a point four of a child. But the guy looked at me as if to say, "That's the new neighbor who's moved in across the way," and he he kind of like waved or something or said hello, and I and I didn't know what to do. So of course, I, so how could you possibly know what to do in that instance? So what, what were you supposed to do? Wave back? I, no, I <laughs> greeted the gentleman. I ended up doing what I do with dogs. I gave him. You murdered him. <laughs> I gave him. Strangled the life out of him. <laughs> I gave. I gave. <laughs> I gave him the respect nod. Oh, okay. Yeah, the respect nod. Yes, that's good. That's a good option. And I, I like can't walk it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We should probably start the show. Sure, let's get this into it. This is a music podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's called No Encore. Um, I believe we have new listeners. So uh, just to note real quick, Craig and I uh, used to be journalists for Hot Press Magazine <laughs> back in the day. Uh, the, my vow is to not mention Hot Press this sure. year. Sure. It's going yeah. well. Uh, we now host the show called No Encore, and that's what the show is. Dahi Odroni is a regular guest, <laughs> a.k.a. <laughs> Host member even, of the yeah. show. He'll be back next week. We're also going to have a very special guest coming on next week, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm hype. As for this week, uh, it's time for the preamble. So <laughs> the show works. Yeah, well, like when we left people last week, um, three of the company were heading off to 1975, excluding me because I have morals. Um, yourself, you? Andre Clary, uh, Fanula Jones were both excellent on the pod. We're very excited about the show. Mm-hmm. How was it? 975 played three arena. Uh, I'll say this. Whatever you think of their lyrics and their whole thing, <laughs> yeah. hell of a show. Right. Incredible like incredible production. The like, treadmill was that good, was it? <laughs> it was a treadmill. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So I uh, went to the gig and uh, very nice seats. You know, journalists look after. Of course. It's, it's, of it's, course. it's, 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 a, hell, it's a whole life, guys. Um, so essentially... <laughs> I sat down and I thought, fuck this, I'm on a gig, it's 9.75, dry January, can sleep for this evening, yeah. I'm going to go get a beer. So I went and I went to the concession stand to pay for some overpriced beer, which yeah. I did. And I got Dre a bottle of water, which was very overpriced as well. And because I had two beers, because I was like, well, you know, you get two beers. Cause of course, you know, yeah. Because I'm a <laughs> <'cause of laughs> standard my, journalist twofer. That's yeah. a drinking problem. Um, <laughs> so I had like, I put like the beers in the fucking, the thing, the cardboard it, yeah. thing. And you hold it the like enabler, you're, I call like it. You're a, <laughs> like you're a waiter and the bottle of water because like they, they take the cap off the bottle of water because mm-hmm. I guess you're in prison. <laughs> like I was well, like, after that second beer, yeah. they're going to take, the, take my belt off yeah. me. Like, what happens next? So I sauntered back to the seating area where we were, went down all the steps, and I was going around, and there was some lads had materialized at the end of the row who hadn't been there before. From Star Trek or something, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they beamed in. <laughs> And essentially, I went, sorry, lads, and went to like go past them. And one of them goes, huh, don't spill your beer, mate. Classic banter. Yeah. You know, at a gig with a stranger, you know, really witty repertoire. I like it. I like it. And then I shuffled by, didn't spill the beer, very proud of that, and sat down. 
And then Fanula Jones was sitting behind us, as it turns out. She, her seats were also quite good. Yeah. And Fanula leaned forward. But not quite as good. Not quite as good as mine. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was in the front row where you can't stand up and bop. Because oh, it's okay. a safety issue. Yeah. But you can in all other roads. Okay. But that's yeah. fine because I'm not really much of a stand-up no. popper at gigs. Unless, of course, I'm standing up to begin with and say, you know, Chic featuring Noel Rogers are playing or something. <laughs> so essentially, we <laughs> were there. are they not? <laughs> Go, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> non-stop party. Like, I was there and Fanula leans forward and said, do you know who that was? Who had said, don't spill your beer, mate. And I went, no, I don't. And she said, it's picture this. Ah. Oh. And it was. And I realised... Friends of the show picture this. (laughs) I realised I was sitting two people removed from my arch nemesis picture this. Now, I say arch nemesis. What I'm referring to there, for anyone who does not know, is I've been kind of vocal about questioning their integrity, essentially, whether it's on the show or whether it's on Twitter. However, this is a new year. And what what I want to bring to this year is I want to understand picture this. Okay. That's what I want to do. we all do. No, I do, because their album's coming out, right? Yeah. I happen to have it in my possession. (laughs) We'll talk about (laughs) that, right? And they're playing, like, a bunch of gigs in the free arena, and it's all a big thing. And I'm a music journalist, mate. I recognise the story when I see one, and I see one in these lads, but I don't know what the story is yet. So what I'm going to... Do they know what the story is? Um, I think they've got other things to focus on than <laughs> my they opinion. be excited by your story? Uh, I guess it remains to be seen. I mean, yeah. like, essentially, so for now, I kind of was like, look, let's just let bygones be bygones and have a good night. <laughs> like, well, hold on. There, there hadn't been any, like, run-ins no, in real just time. Or, just, was just, there even a back and forth on Twitter? Like, no, no, were no, they no, aware no. of I don't they've not any, I, I don't think they have any yeah. idea who I am. Okay. Right. <laughs> and uh, their fans do, though, because I've had some fan hate mail from them. But that's fine. Okay. It's grand. It comes with the trade. So essentially, um, everyone had a good night. Now, I did find it interesting to kind of look, look over at them on occasion because, because they're headlining the same arena mm-hmm. uh, in two months time they were like studiously seeing what was going down on the stage yeah uh, the singer by the way was wearing a very low profile outfit uh, i guess he didn't want to be bothered by fans so he was wearing uh, uh like platinum blonde <laughs> like yellow <laughs> pants with like stripes on them or or, or, or dots on them as okay if, like, like he's on safari or something like he'd been <laughs> like he'd been killed on safari and a e17 style uh fluorescent orange hat <laughs> uh, to top it all off okay. and again like really like no one's going very out. 2019 yeah, no one's going out with something like you know like very very subtle so the gig itself right um, yeah I, I will say the picture of this portion of the night passed without, without incident I'm glad um, so am I so the rest of the gig uh, very entertaining hell of a show Matty Healy of course being the magpie that he is pilfered from yet more people including David Byrne he's even wearing a big oversized suit on the stage yeah, four songs in and the set is like very like you know it's moving parts it's very fluorescent and I've used that word again Lots of neon pinks. The box thing that they do comes down from the ceiling. It moves around. At one stage, it takes the form of a giant, it's the 80s. giant iPhone that he steps into, and you know, because it's all about communication and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, by four tracks in, uh, Maddie Healy steps forward and starts moving from side to side uh, with a glide. And I realize, oh my god, the length of the stage is actually a fucking travelator treadmill type thing. It's on a treadmill, folks. And I will say, all I bets mean, are off. At that, at that moment, there was a great moment. Picture this: threw themselves off the balcony. <laughs> we can't top this, lads. <laughs> Cancel all five shows. <laughs> Tell Lewis Capaldi and Dagny to go home and find something else to do for a week. So essentially, uh, when this happened, Fanula Jones behind me voiced what we were all thinking. And she said, genius, uh, with, with much more, uh, like, I guess, 
intonation than I okay. just did there. And it really was a hell of a moment. At this point, I think I was finished my second beer. But hold, so hold on, was... yeah. <laughs> no, when you say genius, I mean, I like a treadmill. Mm-hmm. It's the entire length of the stage. So, you know, yeah, yeah. stakes are high. Money was what exactly did you do with it, though? Is he, is he just going back and forth? He's going back and forth while singing and kind of bopping about. Is that it? About. I mean, they're quite one-dimensional <laughs> treadmills by their nature. Yeah, but it worked. I mean, in tandem with all the other stuff that was happening on stage. Um, he didn't, like, bring out, like, it just wasn't a Cradle of Filth gig. Like, he wasn't, like, bringing out a chainsaw or anything. Right, yeah, um, yeah. Or an ankle grinder. <laughs> uh, so, essentially, which has happened at other gigs. Um, the thing about this, though, is that it led, this is the second night of the tour, mm-hmm. and it led a lot of fans online on social media. And, like, the on 975 have a very young fan base. Um, and, essentially... I'm like in my mid thirties, so yeah. I'm finally going to admit it now. You know, mid, <laughs> Jesus, can't approaching you approaching my mid thirties. Um, <laughs> in my early thirties, so essentially, I I've been to a ton of gigs. You know, like I love. You've gigs. been around. Yeah, I've been around the block. <laughs> I've been around the block. You're, and you're a vet. Yeah, I'm a veteran. Industry vet. Hot young, hot young veteran. Uh, so this episode is going to be like an hour and a half. Uh, but <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Though. I'm here for at least an hour of it. <laughs> Okay, I'll take the rest of it. So essentially, um, I'd never seen that before. Yeah, I'd never seen it in the flesh before, and I was just like, "Wow, that's brilliant!" Like I texted someone who knew it was the gig, and I was like, "That's fucking great. That that's really impressive." And it was. Now the problem is that like people then go online and post a video of this, and and they say stuff like, "No one could ever do this." <laughs> like, you know, like like no one can like could possibly your fave could never. And, like, that is relentless enthusiasm and potentially from someone who's very young and hasn't been to that many gigs and doesn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the pop concert experience. And even if you do, like I say, I've been to fucking hundreds of gigs at this stage, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, no one is saying that the Sugar Babes didn't do it. Cause did they, they do it? They did do it. And oh, okay. no one is saying that OK Go didn't do it. And I assume... I remember that. I assume OK Go graduated from their, you know, um, prison of YouTube viral sensation... Uh, to what? Nonsense. To doing live shows in which they must have incorporated a treadmill. They must, they must have done it. Oh. Whether to, it was on a, a chat show or something. Like, they must have done it live. But is like, that their thing where, like, it's like a comedian has to do a certain impression, do OK Go, wherever they turn up, someone just, like, points a treadmill's like, go on, do it. I mean, do I don't it. really, like, I mean, like, I, I hate to be dismissive, but I don't really concern myself with what OK Go get up to because they're an incredibly it's average. OK Gone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Next. OK Go. <laughs> Essentially, right? No one... title right there. Thank you, Next, OK Go. Yeah, I think it works. Um, very. Oh, sorry. Great episode title last week, man. Oh, thanks. thanks A lot man. of praise for that. Really, yeah. Yeah. What was it again? Um, it was uh, Heathcliff, It's Me, Not Tori, I've Come Home. Very good. To it reference in, Kate Bush. And also the fact that we'd come home as well. We see? had come home. It was, yeah, it worked yeah. on many levels. Multi-layered. At least two. Yeah. It, was real, it was a real True Detective season three situation, Thanks, which I haven't seen yet, no spoilers. Below. Oh, okay. We'll get to I think it. you'll enjoy it. Yeah, we'll get to it next We'll get to it. Um, or maybe hour two. We'll get to it. We'll watch a, it. An hour four. Live stream it. Of this charity podcast that we're doing. Every minute we're on the air, <laughs> more money is generated <laughs> for someone. So essentially, to come back to the gig... Um, the whole the the thing that really annoys me is the noise that comes out of these things where this happens because then what happens is you get the counter punch and the counter punch and all these all these tweets have like millions of retweets yeah um, it's all amplified and I saw one in particular that was doing the rounds and it was some lady I don't know who she was she said uh, every time a white boy like you know does this kind of thing it erases whatever the fuck and <laughs> essentially like you know what basically just making the point that like Maddie Healy is not in fact the inventor of the treadmill which I think we knew was was the inventor of the treadmill a black person though 
I have no idea. Is this a specific I thing? Think it, no, it's more, it, it came down to more, I think it was more of a gender thing where it was like women who've done incredible things in pop music yeah, I and, get it, and yeah. production. He's are, being overpraised just because he's a and, basic white boy. Yeah, and they're being underpraised as a result. Right. I mean, like, I think it's not a situation that Maddie Healy has declared himself the inventor of this gimmick. Um, he clearly isn't. Um, people just haven't seen it before. <laughs> Imagine he came out and was just like, wouldn't forget surpri- the album, I have invented the treadmill. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I intend to interview him in a little while, uh, so we'll see. But like, basically, the thing is, no one is saying that your favourite person didn't already do this thing. It's just that people saw for the first time and got excited. Like, yeah. uh, like, why must this now be they're a thing? probably like 16 or but, whatever. But even if they're not, even, even if they're 40, like, I mean, like, why must this now be a thing where I can't just say, this was fucking amazing? You can like, say that, but you can't say it on Twitter. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But it's just, I don't understand the point scoring of it. Like, let people have their fucking fun. I mean, I don't I don't see, like, why, why, why people get tied up in knots about this kind of stuff, where it's but like... I don't think no, they're tied my, up in knots. Though. My pop culture thing is actually I think they're. Nerds. I think it's an opportunistic thing. I think it's, oh, I can use this content that's just come out to piggyback on it and get a reaction for myself. And yeah. I don't think that person was genuinely outraged. They were just doing the, oh, I'll get my woke points in. Probably. Uh, nonetheless, it's incredibly irritating. I find it very unhelpful. It only really advances any kind of conversation at all, and it pits people against each other in a bizarre fashion. Like, who cares Like about the 75 stage design, even as impressive as it was, and it really fucking was. It was brilliant. Like, you could tell they put an awful lot of money and time into it. Yeah. So whoever was involved in that, hats off. Like, they nailed it. It's a great experience. Like, a really visual thing. It was like being in an art gallery in lots of ways. Really impressive. And the, sh- the show was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. The songs were, were good set list. Um, could have sounded a bit better in the arena. Like, could have been a bit louder here and there, but, like, generally it was good. Good crowd. Very, very enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. But, like, again, I mean, like, I just don't Was like... it tr- like, what I, if I had gone, would I have found it, like, as transformative as Andrea Cleary did, who's, I've seen her on social media just being like, oh my god, I'm in love with the album now, and um, I can't believe I, I like the 1975. I think not as much. Dre, yeah. Dre was won over, um, and she mentioned it on the Nyler 9 podcast this week. Um, she loved it. She turned to me, like, about three or four times in, and she was like, oh, fuck, I think I fancy Maddie Healy now. Um, I don't know if you would have fancied Maddie Healy, but that's fine. It's an argument for it's the likely. day. It's um, likely. She really enjoyed it, yeah, and she was won over by it. Ultimately, like, like it doesn't erase problematic lyrics, of which that last album definitely has. Yeah. Uh, ones which I just totally missed uh, when I listened to it, as noted before. But I think if you swip that aside for a second, and take on its merits, there are lots of merits. And it was a hell of a show. Very inviting, very communal. Fans loved it. It was a hell of a production, which is always great to see yeah. in, in the three arena w- w- when you get the chance to go. Um, yeah, so I really liked it. I just don't like this thing now of like war breaking out because someone did a fucking thing. I know. I don't. Uh, I don't see how it helps. It doesn't help whatsoever. Um, it doesn't help. Whatsoever. You say it was a fine production, off without a hitch. Mm. Talk to me about the Fire Festival doc. You've seen it. Yeah, I have. Uh, by the time this <laughs> podcast drops, the Netflix Fire Festival documentary will be available to stream. It's called Fire. Now, Hulu pulled an interesting thing uh, three days, I think it was, before the Fire doc came out on there. Okay, they have their own one. It's called Fire Fraud. Oh, really? Yeah, Fire it's Fraud. Me by. And they put it up online, and I feel like. What that would have done by putting up three days early, not just scooping them, but in this crazy world of SEO, people Googling Fire Festival documentary will surely be redirected to Hulu's platform. I haven't seen that one, but I have seen, I got an advanced screening of the Netflix documentary. Interestingly enough, when I tried to sign up for the advanced screener, there was a problem verifying passwords for a couple of days. (laughs) And I was just like, it wouldn't let me put a fucking password in. 
and I was planning to watch it at the start of the week. And essentially, I felt like what the influencers must have felt like <laughs> when they went to the fire festival. Now, I How feel was the catering? <laughs> I, I, I had a better sandwich than... Good, than good I'm glad. Fire festival, for anyone who doesn't know, was a... I presume everyone does. I mean, if you listen to a music podcast... a catastrophe. A complete catastrophe <laughs> that took place to a degree <laughs> last year. Uh, essentially, the guy behind it is a guy called Billy McFarland. Um, he previously worked... He made this kind of, like, exclusive stainless steel credit card for, for <laughs> I have one myself <laughs> yeah for like socialites and rich people to have which would like you know separate you from the common man yeah that's kind of how he made his books then he started an app called fire f-y-o-r-e and the app was supposed to be about bringing you further exclusivity with regards to like events essentially you know you would if you had this app you would be the you you you'd get the chance to get like floor seats at your favorite nba games or you know pre-sales of Ja Rule gigs for example because Ja Rule is an it's investor a partner, and a partner yeah. in it so uh, long what story yeah, long story short they wanted to do a festival in tandem with the app this was all about promoting the app like, that kind of gets lost in the headlines and the festival that took place uh, in the Bahamas people were promised like uh, especially like 10,000 people in lots of money you could spend upwards of fucking like you know quarter of a million or yeah. whatever like to 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 live on this private island for a week and go see blink 182 former residents of um pablo escobar i believe see this is an interesting aspect of the documentary the documentary mostly covers the build-up yeah and the aftermath there is footage from the island when it all went so just mainly instagram posts <laughs> yeah pretty much but they obviously like got the yeah they, they speak to people who were there as well um but essentially it's mostly build up an aftermath they do have footage from what what, what happened but it's mostly build up an aftermath and the interesting thing about that is that like half an hour into this documentary still very much in build-up mode i was having a panic attack oh really I was like, this is spiking all of my anxiety. There's a knot in my stomach. The dread. I have to see this. The dread that permeates this thing. Uh, I'm going to write a review for Joe, and I've already got my headline, because that's, you know, how digital media works, baby. Uh, my headline is, and this uh, is that the Fire Festival documentary is the first great horror film of 2019. It really is. I was genuinely disturbed. Um, essentially, it's just, it's what happens when... Um, <laughs> an immovable uh, force, you know, meets unstoppable arrogance. And yeah. essentially, Ja Rule and this Billy McFarlane guy and their crew went to an island in the Bahamas. And it was an island. They found an island that was, like, owned by Pablo Escobar back in the day. Mm. And apparently, they had bought it for $10 million. That was the, the money that was being thrown around. With a $1 million down payment or something. And the whole point of it was that... The owner of the island was like delighted for these guys to come and like redevelop it and host this music festival every year and bring beautiful people to the island. Did not want any association with Pablo Escobar. Didn't want any mention of the name Pablo Escobar. Wanted to erase that stain from history. Okay. So these clowns, first social media post that they fucking made, <laughs> make was, a bigger stain. <laughs> was uh, you can live like Pablo Escobar, <laughs> which led to the owner going get the fuck out, and they were turfed. And then they have to find another island. And at this oh, point, brilliant. At, at this point, tickets are being sold. Yeah. Things are being promised. This is a recurring theme. But what it was was they shot this whole thing, and it was Ja Rule and them partying with the likes of Emily Ratajkowski and Bella Hadid and lots of other like stunning-looking individuals who yeah. I you know if you're into the Instagram game, you might know them. I didn't know a lot of these so-called influencers, and then the other influencers who would end up on the island in the Lord of the Flies situation that they found themselves <laughs> in, who were not pleased. Um, so. 
the whole thing was a complete uh, fraud. And it's funny because at the end of this thing, like spoilers, it didn't turn out well. There's an astonishing scene at the end where they're on a Skype call. And there's people in an office and people on Skype call. And it's after this whole thing has happened. Like it's all gone down. All the headlines have been written. All the yeah. stories have been written. Like dude's going to go to jail. Um, ja Rule is on the speakerphone. Uh, a quick note on Ja Rule. He's not <laughs> oh, in... <God. laughs> Welcome to our new segment. Quick note on Ja Rule. He's not in the documentary that much. But every time he's on screen, whether in the flesh or via speakerphone, he comes across as one of the most horrific, vile human beings I've ever encountered in any form of media. Okay. Just a gross guy. A really nasty dude who probably treats women like absolute meat. Right. And I didn't like him at all. Uh, at one Not stage, though... terribly surprised. At one stage, he's... <laughs> like, he... One of the guys who was one of the many objectors... Like, this is what you learn about the team. The team objected at every stretch of the way. They were like, you can't do this. This is really badly organized. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And people who did that were, like, fired or, like, relocated to a different project or, you know, people were like, don't fucking do this. Yeah. But they did it. As you know, it's not in the film, but Billy <laughs> McFarlane did say... Uh, let's just fucking do it and be legends, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he is a legend yeah. uh, in many ways. But your man, one of the guys, one of the conscientious objectors kind of says, you know, we committed fraud here. That's what we did. And Ja Rule <laughs> says, no, no, it's not fraud. It is not fraud. It's false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants to tell him? So essentially you get the build up. You got lots of concerned staff. The details are phenomenal. Okay. Like what they were dealing with, how they had, no, they had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea how to plan. There was no time to do it. They sold this experience. They kept changing and moving the goalposts to such a degree. It goes on and on and on. I don't want to spoil too much about it. It's like one of the reasons why you will find the documentary so harrowing is just the level of ineptitude that, that crops up at every turn. There's a couple of anecdotes, one in particular that left me genuinely shaken and it's kind of played for laughs. Oh, I, really? Yeah. Didn't know when There's one anecdote in particular involving... A guy who Billy McFarlane was tight with. He's an older gentleman and he's like, he knows the industry and he tried to help him out. He tried to help Billy McFarlane get this thing over the line. And he describes how at one stage he was going to take one for the team. And I'm not going to go into what that means. Okay. You'll have to watch the documentary, but I will say that I found it really disturbing. Um, and even though he kind of laughs it off, I was like, this is actually, there should be more years put onto Billy McFarlane's sentence for this, in my opinion. Um, stuff like that. Uh, lots of little details. Yeah. Um, now, you might be wondering, did you have a laugh at the expense of the influencers and the rich kids who were conned into going to this thing? I mean, ultimately, not really. Like, don't get me wrong. You Do didn't you... end up humanising them, did you? <laughs> it's more that I was like, well, look, I mean, these people are obviously gross in lots of ways and they come from insane wealth and privilege. But nonetheless, what they were faced with was just, I mean, it was genuinely horrific. Yeah, it was yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, festivals are tough at the best of times. True. <laughs> like, True. Well, especially like this thing, which is horrendously organised. Um, ends on a kind of a grim note where like, you see, after the fact, you see what a sociopath Billy McFarlane really, really is. Uh, the fear is that he, after his prison sentence ends in six years, time or whatever i don't know if he's started it yet he will somehow have some kind of comeback people like this always find a way mm. and that's kind of what the crux of this thing was for me is that like this whole thing is an incredible manifestation of insane arrogance complete uh, sociopathy if that's even a word and the disaster that happened is should be it should reverberate for a very long time it'll make you appreciate what goes into planning things <laughs> like uh, organization and people who actually have Our responsibilities and, yeah. yeah and like even like some of his staff were like put in positions that they clearly didn't want to be in yeah and it ruined a lot of the work that they had done for the app that they were working on and so on and like don't get me wrong 
everyone in this thing is a New York hipster. They're all interviewed in like lavish, you know, opulent living spaces and whatever and so on and so forth. But I will say I found it compelling. It's really harrowing. Watch it. (laughs) I intend to. Yeah, that's a very good advert for it. Um, I watched a different documentary. It was the complete opposite. It's um, Albini Cashes In. This is Steve Albini, who's... Um, it's only about 15 minutes long. It's like on YouTube. Check it out. It's worth watching. But, it's, you know, Steve Albini, kind of cult, uh, US indie producer, although he calls himself a recorder because he doesn't take any credit for the music that's made. And he's he's a bit of a mouth. In print, he comes off, like, really caustic and kind of horrible. Like, he just seems to, like, no music whatsoever. Um, and this is, like, really endearing. It's him, like, he's been playing poker since he was a little kid. His great-grandmother taught him. And he's just like, I'm terrible at poker. I'm rubbish. He enters, like, the World Series of Poker. And he wins 100 grand. And it's brilliant. It's like, he's there sitting in, like, a, a casino with all these twats. And he's dressed as an astronaut. Uh, he has this, like, Tuesday club of, like, poker players. And they're all, like, really just there's this kind of really tight-knit thing and they're like oh steve's great and he's like he comes off really cuddly and lovely and really into music and yeah totally changed my perception of steve albini so that's where to watch interesting i remember interviewing Stuart braitway from mogwai before and i mentioned that like steve albini is mad about this thing and Stuart braitway just started laughing and he goes <laughs> he goes if steve albini wasn't mad about a thing that would be the fucking story yeah you know? so yeah, yeah he has a um, rep he does have a really bad <clears throat> rep um, and it, like, there's some amazing quotes where he's giving out about like the thing takes place in Vegas, and he does not want to go to Vegas, but he'll go just for the World Series of Poker, and he's like, "How no, long? it's an absolute shithole." How long did you say it is? It's only like 15 minutes long. It's a really bite-sized thing. And it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, cool. Um, check that out as well. Definitely check it out. Uh, one last thing before we move into the news, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> not music-related, but the announcement this week that took place: uh, Mission Possible uh, back-to-back DJ set is coming. Uh, there have been six Mission Impossible films to date. We're fans on the show. Craig rarely goes to the cinema, but he did go and see Fallout last year and loved every second of it. Yeah. Big fan of the franchise. <laughs> like a seven-year-old director. <laughs> director Chris McQuarrie has confirmed himself to shoot the next two films in the series that's, back to that's back. That's the kind of big one, isn't it? And they're coming out in 2020 and 2021. The fact that he's on board. Tom Cruise is literally going to die. <laughs> Like I, this is it, isn't it? This is this has wraps to be, up. Yeah. Like I think he'll be sixty when yeah, the last yeah, one comes yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be the end of this stage. Yeah, I'm very happy that Chris McQuarrie is on board. He's done some great work. I kind of wanted him to do one more and complete his own personal trilogy behind the camera, and then maybe the last one ever could be like Brian De Palma return to okay. the series or David Fincher getting to direct the Mission Impossible that he never got to direct. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, if you want pure high octane thrills, the Mission Impossible franchise has has delivered at every turn, and I presume it will continue to. Is this? I was going to say, is this a cash in? But like two films, so. two films. It's not a cash in because we see the level that they go to. And yeah. for Chris McQuarrie, like he is always trying to one up himself. So I don't want it to get yeah. like let's go to space. And I do trust Tom Cruise implicitly <laughs> with, with everything. <laughs> yes, to the point where I'm going to get my e meter levels checked. Yeah, he did say he, he did once say that um, <laughs> if if Tom Cruise or a trained doctor. <laughs> Are driving past you and you've just been in like a car wreck. Or Tom something. Cruise is your guy. Tom Cruise He's the is the only one that can Tom help. Cruise is more qualified to, to <laughs> yeah. save your life than the doctor. So I must ask you this question, Craig: If you found yourself in some kind of horrific situation, and there was that chance, a professional doctor yeah. with years of experience, yeah. or Tom Cruise, who would you ask to <laughs> intervene? No, it's it's Tom Cruise. It's not a uh, fictional character, Ethan Hunt. No, it's Tom Let's Cruise. Just get that straight because it's Tom then Cruise, it's no... the actor who I presume hasn't performed <laughs> surgery in his life, may have been in surgery, but... I don't, See, I don't know the doctor. If I knew the doctor, I might be closer, but definitely Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. How about you? 
Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> In the news this week, uh, I'm actually sorry, before we continue the show, uh, we will be reviewing the new album from Lost Under Heaven later on yeah. in this program. We are not reviewing the James Blake album this week, which is out now as well. We're going to wait for Dahi, because Dahi has requested that we do that. Yeah. And he'll be back next week. Big fucking day for album releases, the day, the day that we drop, by the way. Out today, this being Friday. Um, James Blake. James Blake. Sharon Van Etten. Sharon Van Etten. Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter, yeah, okay. Lost Under Heaven, which we'll be yeah. reviewing today, and Maggie Rogers, which we reviewed last week. Of course, yeah. It's like January. Kickstarting the year, man. Tell you. All right, in the news, uh, the dramatic return of Bombay Bicycle Club. They're coming back. Yeah, I mean, leading the news, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's not a big news week. The preamble was, <laughs> yeah. was... Yeah, as it says here, they took an extended break back in... 2016, <laughs> two years ago. Sorry, a little over two years ago. Uh, with each member indulging in their whims by focusing on a variety of different projects. I'm indulging not entirely in sure. their whims. Yeah, like what were they doing? Do we know? Was there anything? I think Jamie McCall like managed some bands or made his own music yeah. for a while. Well, they met up last year after a year off for some ad hoc rehearsals. Um, and the charm of playing songs that they wrote together as teenagers seemed to inspire something within the four piece. So they've decided to make the informal reunion a little more permanent. And they took to social media to announce yeah, they were back, I, back, back, back. I kind of put this in because I was like, you don't hear of that many bands getting back together, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Like, you know, as, as the we Spice Girls, <laughs> Westlife, they're never coming back. Like, so... Is Bombay Bicycle Club the big one for you? Yeah. I, I assume they would have. Have you ever interviewed them? I have, yeah. Yeah, I interviewed um, them once. I interviewed well. the drummer the who didn't speak and uh, I think it was Jamie McCall. I'm pretty sure we were in for rival publications that day. Actually, yeah. And you true. got... It was the Academy show. Was yeah, you got yeah. the two guys I didn't get. Yeah, um, I got Jack Stedman yeah. and the other one. The other guy. I'm and sorry. I got, I got Jamie McCall and Surrender Saram. Uh, perfectly nice gentlemen. I've always maintained that they're the ultimate 7 out of 10 band. Oh, very much so, yeah. Um, always enjoyable. Shuffle is an amazing song. I'll listen. Yeah. Carry Me is a great gross. little banger. I'll be curious to see what they come out with. Do you think this announcement was like they saw that gap, like that void as we await folds to actually do something? Because I always kind of bundle them together in around about that time they were doing things with like jerky guitars. Yeah, maybe Foles the, obviously maybe being the better some, band. Maybe there was some weird like faux indie god who shook some kind of mystical bottle with the names Wild Beasts, the Maccabees and Bombay Bicycle Club in there. And this is the one that came out. Yeah. You know, who knows? <laughs> uh, they won't be performing as part of the Super Bowl halftime show. No. But um, <laughs> they might have had a chance considering. I know. It was kind of like, who are we going to get? It's a bit like the Oscars, I guess, which I believe is just going to go hostless what or a, something. What a fucking mess. <laughs> what a mess. Uh, what a mess this is. Maroon 5 are the chief act for your Super Bowl halftime show yeah. this year. And they have been really struggling to get people to play with them. They've been, like This is a relatively new thing as well, where acts feel they have to get other acts to join them. Yeah, in the halftime show is it a symptom of the acts maybe not quite being big enough to? Pull I think it off it's just because we live in we, li- we live in the age they need, of you need a, of excess, you need a gimmick. You know? you and they've often it. had like I look back through all the Super Bowl performances over the years, and there have been like fucking Cirque du Soleil backed up someone once, probably Madonna or something. <laughs> probably uh, Coldplay, of course, tried to boogie down with Bruno Mars, and, <laughs> and it was just the Bruno Mars show. Someone essentially. else, I can't remember was it Beyonce. I know she did her own thing, but like I feel like Coldplay showed up. Did to she come out for a bit? Yeah, annoy maybe. people was it at that one. Anyway, it's, um, it's, it's as big as the game itself, as are the amount of commercials that uh, come out in, in line with it. Yeah. It's, it's a triple threat, threat. of an event. <laughs> Travis Scott will be joining uh, Maroon 5, which we knew already. It's a good um, get. It's a good get. Yeah, yeah. A huge uh, last year with that album. album was one of the biggest sellers of the year, I think just below Drake's. Um, big Boy has also confirmed now that he will perform at the halftime show. That feels random. 
It does feel random. It also feels like Big Boy would be someone that would be very much against the NFL and what it stands for at the moment. Um, yeah, because of course the, conscientious whole, guy the and, whole Colin Kaepernick issue. Yeah. Apparently Jay-Z tried to get Travis Scott to not participate. Jay-Z was one of the reported names that also turned down the chance. This has been the reason behind the struggle, yeah. Along with Rihanna, Adele, and various others. Travis Scott, however, is there on one condition to the tune of six figures. The NFL have to make a half million dollar donation. Uh, I think along, I think he's footing some of that bill. Yeah. To uh, Dream Corps. The Dream Corps, um, who are a Van backs, Jones founded organization that backs social justice efforts. Yeah. Um, now there was actually a variety report um, that Scott himself had had a conversation with Kaepernick regarding the performance, um, and that while the two did not see eye to eye, they emerged from the conversation with mutual respect and understanding. Now, the latest update is that. Uh, Kaepernick has denounced that report and he's retweeted activist and radio personality Nessa who's also his partner who wrote there is no mutual respect and there is no understanding for anyone working against Kaepernick period stop lying Jesus sorry hashtag stop lying Christ Um, yeah he also retweeted Ebro who said that Cap does not approve this bullshit so he's very much against it I feel like the, the thing that shouldn't get lost right in all of the headlines, is that Maroon 5 are a dreadful choice <laughs> to do this. I mean, come on. Yeah. What do they have to get the kind of, to maintain that adrenaline rush? Well, they, they had that song Girls Like You last year. Which they is, have Moose Like Jagger, obviously, well, we'll which is one of the greatest songs of all time. We'll, no, we'll get to that. They have Girls Like You, which, one is, which, which, which is a big song last year with Cardi B, who also turned down the chance to yeah, perform yeah. this, which is a terrible song. And of course, anyone who watched the World Cup coverage last year will have horrific uh, post-traumatic stress flashbacks to Maroon 5 greeting oh. every single ad break yeah. with some cod reggae bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah. It got to a stage, what was Three Little Birds? Yeah. It got to a stage it where, like... It wasn't exactly cod reggae. The cod was that they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it got to the stage where, like, it would be on the office or wherever, and, like, it would cut to the ad, the Hyundai ad. It nearly and, like, ruined the World Cup. It really almost... It came, it came close. It, it turned out it was a bigger problem than hooliganism, uh, or racism, or xenophobia. <laughs> Which is or, a good thing. But, like, all, you would all have... All. You'd have this thing where they'd, like, we'll be back after the break with uh, Peru, Japan, and then you'd be like, oh, class. And then it would cut to, like, a shot of someone going... with a drumstick, and then it would be, like, a scramble... A scramble to get to the mute button. Yeah. Because Maroon 5 in a fucking superimposed car park with a Danny O'Donoghue from the script style long cardigan situation bopping away yeah. to Three Little Birds. And it genuinely, that, that became a Pavlov's dog style. But I'm also, going to throw myself out of a window. Yeah. Like it wasn't quite bad enough, like including the, the car brand within it, but like the tenuous link wasn't enough. So they incorporated some like safety <gasps> message Did or they, like they, they, were, they a, were selling their kind of they safety save mechanism. a child from getting yeah, hit by a because car. Because some uh, warning system when you open the back doors or that something. That kid would have been better off dead. Oh yeah, we all would. <laughs> we all would, yeah. I mean like, so they're playing the Super Bowl. I think it'll be terrible. Uh, okay, you say Moves Like Jagger is a tip-top song. Yes, it's fantastic. I think Won't Go Home Without You, it's even, a great song even though well. it's a complete police rip-off, is a phenomenal pop song. It is a very good pop song. But I'm not going to fight you on that. Moves Like Jagger is better. Moves Like Jagger is great. Well, I don't know. I think, I think I, I'm just going to say it, man. Christina Aguilera phoned that shit in. Oh yeah, 100%. You can drop her right off. Not that. from yeah, a payphone, She, phone, she though, doesn't... <laughs> trying to call home. <laughs> but yeah, they are... I mean, they're kind of the police... They're not even as good as the police. Actually, that does a disservice to the police. But I they think re- that there's... They, fe- they kind of fit that soft rock with kind of homages to reggae and hip-hop I saw a recent promo photo of them there's like seven of them now which is just confusing 
Yeah. Is there a what? They just keep adding people. Maybe it was a photograph of Travis Scott and Big Boy superimposed. I, I can't remember. I'm okay. very, you know, I'm tired. So, uh, what does it cost these days, Craig, <laughs> to get to <laughs> number segue. one? To get to number one. Yeah, well, we were talking about Travis Scott um, doing very well with his album last year. And there was the whole controversy of the bundles that he was doing where you could kind of get merch if you got a physical copy or you got a digital download. Um, it paid off for him. He actually racked up great proper sales. This year, he would not need to do so um, because it turns out uh, the number is 823 copies um, is the amount you need to sell to get to number one on the Billboard I think we can do that. Let's release an album. Um, Just that and 83 million streams as well, which is uh, the reason that you can actually get to the top. These are numbers for um, Hoodie... um, S Z N. Am I saying that right? Hoodie, hoodie season. Is that season? I think so. Really? We're very. Have white. I just become an old man? No, you're white. As am I. I'm of guessing. Of course, it's season. Yeah, actually, I remember Yeezy doing. Okay, all right, season. Um, by a boogie with the hoodie. Um, achieved that. <sighs> I don't know. Is this disheartening? Is it like? Is it, is it a good sign of oh, the industry's wrapping its head around streaming being the future, or is it like oh my god? There's... I, my thing is that, and this might sound contradictory. I don't think it's really that big of a news story, and because I saw this in the New York Times, and I was like, really? I mean, it's 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 kind of your classic like oh look how look how it's all changed. All this were once fields, you know. It's like yeah. stuff moves in different directions. I don't really care about like. There's this. There's been a whole push recently when it comes to even the Irish music charts. It's like, oh, right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna shake it up. You know, we're gonna incorporate this and that. And I'm like, well, I don't think it really matters. I mean, like, I, one thing I did find curious though was that like Westlife this week have been on a big push about getting their song to number one. Yeah. Apparently, there hasn't been like a number one song by an Irish artist in Ireland for a very long time. Yeah. It's four uh, years or something. But again, crazy. if you look at what's happening with regards to, and we'll be talking later about one of the big hype bands at the moment. Charts, you know, it's kind of never the twain shall meet, really. I mean, like, the charts are, like, very influenced by the UK, very influenced by American radio, and it kind of have a homogenousness across the field. I mean, it's like Europe and America and the UK tend to reflect each other, like, quite a yeah. lot. Crossover doesn't really happen. And, I don't know, we're long past the days of, like, Samantha Mumba. Although, <laughs> she's making a comeback. Is she? She is. In what sense? What, what's she coming back to? New music on the way, man. Okay. Yeah. What about her acting career? I think that's shelved for now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Selena Gomez, however, has gotten back on that phone. She returned to Instagram to wish everyone a happy new year and reflect on the past few months. Now, she did this on the 14th of January. I've found myself in a bit of a quagmire quandary situation in life where I keep seeing people who I haven't seen yet this year. And I'm saying happy new year. And I'm like, I feel like th- this happy new year thing... <laughs> It has to be buried. For example... Another, Hold on, is this your big takeaway from this story? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, and, and another thing, though, is that like I wrote a story today about how Christmas FM raised over 400 grand for Temple Street Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah, of course. Bula bus. Everyone who works in that station works very hard. However, being the journalist that I am, you know, I was like, surely this isn't still on the air. I better just check. It is. Hold on, what? Christmas FM... Unless I'm hearing some archive stream, and I don't appear to be... It has to be. Christmas FM is still on the air on the 17th of January... I but, threw it on, man, and last Christmas was on. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you hear a DJ? I'm guessing they just start pumping There was an out. ident. There was like, Christmas FM. Okay. They can't still be it says, listen, okay, staff well, to... I, here's what I'm baiting. No, I can't imagine. It must be like... The stream itself should be dead, though. I'm sorry. I feel like it's never going to stop. 
Much like uh, Toto's Africa, which is being played in an art installation. We're really racing through them in now. the Namib- We can go back to Senegambas in a second. In the Namibian desert, but no, we'll get to that. I was, I was trying to say, I saw the opportunity for a segue. And yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Look, whether or not, all, all I know is if you go on the Christmas FM website and you press listen live, you will be redirected instantly to a live feed of Christmas music, which is not acceptable in the middle of January. Selena Gomez, uh, we're fans of her. We think she's really yeah, good. Yeah, we're glad she's back. But glad she's healthy. She's taken took a social media break. Um, and she also reportedly entered a treatment facility for anxiety and depression. Hasn't spoken publicly about that, so don't want to speculate, but that's people are speculating on. Hopefully she's all good. She had a message for her fans. She began by saying, It's been a while. And it's been a while. Since you have heard from me, but I wanted to wish everyone a happy new year and thank you for your love and support. And shared some photographs, said that last year was a big year of self-reflection, challenges and growth. And the the challenges are the things that show you who you are and, you know, overcoming things is good, basically. So (laughs) now she stepped away from social media, but this report notes that she has still been in the public eye thanks to her collaboration with DJ Snake, Cardi B and Ozuna on the global hit song Tacky Tacky, which, by the way, is legitimately like no hyperbole here whatsoever. One of the worst songs ever recorded, ever. I could have gone either way. I've never heard it. It is... It's upsetting. It's, okay. it's an upsetting song. Okay. I don't upsetting like Upsetting in... Okay, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Get back to you. Let's get back to the Namibian desert. <laughs> yes, um, the Namib is a desert in Southern Africa, and thanks to a new sound installation, it will be the home to a new art installation that aims to play Toto's Africa on eternal repeat. What? Your reports. What Bond villain has done this? Um, it's a Namibian German artist <laughs> um, who's uh, appropriately titled this Toto Forever. Uh, it utilizes six speakers, an MP3 player featuring literally just that one song, and solar energy in an effort <laughs> to play the song for all eternity. Um, he says, I was very intrigued by this and wanted to pay the song the ultimate homage and physically exhibit Africa in Africa. His name is Max Siedendorf, which is a good name. I like yeah. that. Um, he said... <laughs> This desert with 55 million years is the oldest desert in the world. It seems to be the perfect spot for this. It doesn't really explain <laughs> There's it. some award for like the oldest desert. Congratulations, oldest desert. Purgatory now, for any of the... like like. Uh, if anything, has somebody managed to d- defeat what a desert does well, and lives there. <laughs> like, I feel like treat. Toto's Africa might be one of those songs I would go to when that question of, if you had to listen to a song on repeat constantly... No. Nope. I could I could stand it. It's very very easy listening in the best possible way. No, I like the song, but you're wrong. I love the song, but I was going to say, <laughs> what has happened in the last five years where this has become like a kind of meme? Like, Total are huge. Uh, I wh- they're playing. They're playing. What did it stem from? I don't know. They're playing Cork, I think it is. Uh, and I wrote the story for Joe when it happened, and like colossal shares. People love Toto. But People it didn't fucking have, love like Toto. it didn't have a kind of end of Sopranos cultural moment. Can I, I can't imagine? think of any. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, fitting that you bring that up in, like, I think the week after, the week of the Sopranos celebrating its anniversary. I might make that video. Please, (laughs) please take the last scene of the Sopranos in which Tony Soprano may or may not be whacked. Okay. And facilitate Toto's Africa okay. instead of Journey's done stuff. Ash no encore show. Yeah, can weekend. someone can somebody <laughs> with like the skills please do this? Please superimpose Toto Africa over Tony Soprano fade into black. Real quick, because the Sopranos is uh, I had its anniversary there, twenty years I believe it was, uh, of being the most overrated show of all time. Uh where do you stand on the ending of the Sopranos? Well he died. Right. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Like, is it? A lot of people. Don't David think Chase so. has said David in like Chase the past said, year. Well, he David, said he's flip flopped. David he's Chase has said, has said, "Stop asking me about this." But I think most recently he said, 
in the death scene. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I buy into that narrative of like, we saw the entire show from Tony's perspective and when that ends, it's the end of his story, meaning that he no longer exists. Fair enough. Whatever way you want to read that. Uh, um, you've put in a news story here that I hadn't previously seen <laughs> yeah. and there's actually a visual element to it. Which took I me, had to add that. Which took me by surprise. It explains why I added it. Right, um, take it away. I'll, I'll, I'll stick it up on uh, our socials as well. Gary Barlow fans are outraged um, at autographed memoir fleecing. Gary Barlow fans have complained after buying signed copies of the Take That Stars memoir, only to discover the signature is nothing more than a scribbled line. Now, Dave, you're looking at a picture of this signature at the moment. Yeah. How half-hearted an effort did you think this is? I genuinely thought that you had written a, a crude <laughs> S on this, and it's like he's not Prince. <laughs> like, like, this isn't acceptable. <laughs> It's a G, I'm guessing. Uh, I think it's meant to be a G, yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Isn't uh, it? The name of the book is called A Better Me. Yeah. Um, I think the real outrage is that signed copies cost £12 sterling from W.H. Smith, of course. And he ain't, um, paying, he ain't, which, pay, he ain't paying tax on that. Like, <laughs> with <but>. unsigned <laughs> copies at a tenner. Um, and yeah, as we revealed last week, um, Gary Barlow is a Tory. There's, <laughs> there's like as much as we love him. There's like this is funny because like it's the thing of like we've interviewed people who yes. bought the book who are who are who are mad. Uh, there's a quote when someone said like, "I don't want anything from Gary. I just would have thought he'd have more consideration for his fans." Especially ones that have been fans for a long time, like my mum. Like, bringing the mother in, playing the mother card. Uh, someone said on Twitter, waited in anticipation for my signing book from at Gary Barlow. Gary, were you called away mid-signing? Is this even you? Is this even you? Very <laughs> partridge. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, oh. the type of people who would be upset by this, unfortunately, have already been duped by buying the book in the first place. So it's like I don't have any sympathy. I've less. I've more sympathy for the for the people who went to Fire Festival than I do for those who purchased a better me by Gary fucking Barlow. Uh, Hold up! No, he's, mean, written, he's a he's tremendous. Written, he's written some great songs. Just not a great autograph. Writer. Human being. He's written yeah, some great songs, but like he seems like a decent bloke. Apart, apart from, from his political views, and being his... a Tory and not paying tax. Yeah, I mean, I can get around it. So can he. <laughs> I can look past. That. Right, Craig. Let's uh, do songs of the week. Yeah, why don't you just uh, curate this this week? All right. Because yeah, um, there's two of us. Like, at some point, throw numbers at each other. All right. First up this week, we have the return of a megastar. Um, <laughs> this is Gasafelstein. <laughs> I've water in my mouth, you fuck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Play the song. Because I can never be the one to Savelstein featuring The Weeknd, who was, yes, of course, the megastar in question, and it's a very Weeknd song. What do we think, Dave? It's called Lost in the Fire. It's caused some controversy already. Soak tweeted about this song. Soak, who had a new song out last week herself and has an album dropping in April. I'm looking forward to that. Her sophomore effort, former Choice Music Prize and Northern Irish Music Prize winner, Soak. Um, she said that the lyrics in this song should not be overlooked. And she's referring specifically to a passage in it where The weekend describes... 
having sex with two women, which he's definitely sang about before. Yeah. Um, and how all scan so far. Another day at the office <laughs> for Abel. <laughs> yeah, big Abel back at it. Um, basically, he was like, you know, you said you're going through a phase, um, and I'll fuck you straight. That's what he says, you know? Yeah. So you're going through a phase, so that you're into girls, uh, but I'll, you know, she can come over and sit on your face and I'll fuck you straight, that kind of stuff. That's pretty, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm close to it. Now, here's the thing, right? The weekend is without question a character. You know, it's not a really ambiguous thing. Abel Tezve is playing a character of the weekend. The character is a debauched guy who's very depressed and has lots of sex and it can't cure his melancholy. Uh, regardless of how much incredible sex he has with lots of really attractive women, some of whom may or may not be going through a phase, uh, as he puts it. Yeah. So that doesn't excuse it. Obviously, we live in a more sensitive time, and people are quick to these things. Uh, when Soak tweeted that out, Connor O'Brien from Villagers responded saying it was disgusting, as did many journalists and other commentators and so on and so forth. Yeah, I guess it's like... She's not the only one, of course, to, to raise this. Yeah. I mean, essentially, like it's a case of, you know, art from artist, etc., etc. But for me, the big thing here is less about what he's doing and it's more about how he's doing it. Because... This is really, really weak from him. It's very juvenile. He's better than this. He's done what he's actually saying much better. He had a song with Kavinsky. Like, if you want to talk about, like, you know, like, hip European producers yeah. and making a dance song, he's got a song with Kavinsky called Odd Look, and it's very similar. Like it's he, he talks. It's a great, <laughs> actually, yeah. that's a fucking banger of a song. And once again, he talks about fucking girls in hotel rooms and doing drugs and all that kind of stuff, and it's all very dead-eyed and miserable. But even in that, and that's not The weekend at the Sharpest, that's better than this, because this comes across like a 15-year-old writing lyrics. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it, it's so on the nose, there's no level of subtlety or depth whatsoever. Uh, the more The weekend releases music, the less I'm interested in him, which is a terrible shame, because I really, really was in his corner at one stage. Yeah. I'm not offended by this, but I think people who are have every right to be offended by it. But to me, the most offensive thing here for me is just how really bargain basement it is. Like, why even release this? That was the thing. Like, it's so phoned in. Lyrically... Um, with okay, with those lines in question, I guess the straight part could be like meaning no nonsense, but then coupled with the face thing, yeah, it's definitely problematic. She just needs a good dick, that. you know. That's yeah, what, that's what he's yeah and gross. again, look, I mean, like um, that's like, look, look, it's a w- yeah, it's he we, he can be because he's done it. He has the ability to be really good about sexual politics and to be really good about like his treatment of women versus how he feels treated by Th- them. This is but the this thing. this isn't that. Yeah. This is like a really bad Facebook comment. But this is the thing. It's not, it, like, he's not even invested enough in this song for me to think this is some grand pronouncement about, like, this is what he really believes. I think he was just like, oh, here's some lazy lines that kind of work together in a Yeah, rhyme. and also what really it's, made like, the headlines just... was, like, the diss at Drake. Oh, yeah, was, of like, course. You know, I was forgetting that. Something about having a kid and how he wouldn't want to hide it. Like, <laughs> and again, even that is like, oh, big, big talk, Abel. Like, yeah. this it sucks. very stale. It's a really average even from Gasafelstein who's like made some like really more interesting edgy kind of well his is yeah his Jesus work his more kind of industrial techno work yeah, he yeah. seems to be going in a smoother pop direction this is clearly this is off his album actually and it's clearly the cosine of Big Abel oh, yeah. is going to push him up the, it's quite a cynical song it's cynical, it's, yeah. It's in, a bad pray for me, essentially. It's cynical in every respect. Pray for me is a much better song, yeah. much better. And this is just like, it's like a Saturday Night Live parody of the weekend. It's the mystique kind of gone with him. It is totally gone with him, and it's his fault because he courted pop stardom and he achieved it. And ultimately, as a result, the music has suffered because he's in this kind of weird position now where he wants to be all things to all people. Uh, we're never going to get a Wicked Games again. We're never yeah. going to get like a House of Balloons again. I mean, like, and like, it makes you go back to the old song. And kind of go, fuck, like, is this guy just, was he ever, but he was, he was good. He had mystery, he had intrigue, he was able to say controversial shit and get away with it because there was a, 
knowing self-awareness and a really like impressive bitterness to it all but now it's just really really generic and the fact that people are seizing on the lyrics is evidence of of just how like lazy it is like mm. the, like he's not bulletproof anymore or anywhere close to it and ultimately it actually it, it kind of reminds me of drake in that i feel like that line was included just to get some headlines to get some extra streams it's kind of what a lot of scorpion is yeah you, you couldn't remember a lot of those very very many songs bar the kind of the you know tattletale the kind of celebrity gossip in them Moving on, this is the debut single, I believe, from hotly tipped Dublin Act. It's the murder capital, and this is Feeling Fades. So yet we float together, and with the change of it all, we float together well. So yet we. I was past the thrill of none, onto the streets below, where many cares were taken for the diligent beats of the feet. And a terrible impression lay. Produced by Flood. Yeah. Who has worked with the likes of Nine Snails, 30 Seconds to Mars, and lots of other people too. Worked with them all. He's worked with them all. Uh, Murder Capital, yeah, a lot of hype. A lot, a lot of hype. You say it's the debut single? It is. However, they did have one song out previously, okay. which was like a live thing that was yeah, recorded that's, in that's, line with the No Harris Beers thing, which, you know, very punk. Um, <laughs> so much about this band in terms of column inches lately. They've been lumped in with three or four other bands uh, in various articles in The Enemy and Time Out on, on Irish publications too. Uh, live, apparently, it's an incredible experience. I've yet to experience that myself, so I can't fully appraise this band just yet. But does this debut single give you some hope for this band, or are we just being fed a kind of rock and roll is cool again thing? Uh I want to be encouraging of like homegrown talent and they clearly have good record collections and they're talented enough musicians. It kind of did nothing for me in terms of on a purely visceral level, didn't get the kind of pulse racing whatsoever. I thought some of the phrasing on the lyrics just seemed clumsy. Um, That kind of repeated thing of like the now elapsed around you, I mean, it just didn't, it just felt... Uh, it needed more work it needed a second draft or something and it's just it, for all it's kind of overtures to Joy Division and it's kind of got that hooky bass line it's got touches of the Stooges and I just kept thinking I really miss Girl Band thank you very much You've, you, yeah this is precisely what I was going to say yeah. I really want Girl Band to come back and basically rescue us from this because like that's been a bit of a touchstone for a lot of people like comparing the likes of yeah. Murder Capital and the Fontaines and so on two girl band and I can understand why you know like Den and Dirty like punky kind of stuff but like very Marky Smith influence as well uh, creating a vortex of noise uh, ultimately it didn't do it for me um, from any point of view really I mean it was never boring but it wasn't compelling uh, <clears throat> vocally felt overly theatrical it felt kind of like you know I'm standing on a fucking heath and I'm, I'm, yeah it felt weirdly mannered actually he didn't yeah. really let loose for like a you know yeah for considering the live show is apparently really out there to a degree this was quite safe mm. very glossy um like i don't know studio soundy i don't know i don't know i mean like i just i'm not buying the hype I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that like they can't win me over again live. It could be an incredibly different situation. That's always a big fucking thing. 
But based on the current crop, and we kind of hinted at last week as well uh, when talking about Just Mustard, the current crop of what I'm being sold by every other music journalist, I don't see it, guys. So guitar music still dead, or let's wait until we'll get back, let's wait it? let's wait until girl band come back because they're coming back, and I kind of feel like they're going to really show these people up. I can't even really lump them in together because the, I know, separa- I, I, the separation is. I don't want to, but that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sonically and the kind of references that are being made. Yeah, it makes sense to an extent, but there's such a gulf really in. I guess it's like imagination, just that spark to take it elsewhere. This feels very... Innovation as well. Very kind of workman-like. Yeah. Um, like, I'm going to try and avoid the girl band comparison from now on, but I will say that if you are comparing these bands directly, it's not fair to anyone involved. It's not no. fair to... Like, it's not fair to the Murder Capital. It's not fair to the Fontaines. This is a perfectly fine time. It's not fair to Just Mustard and so yeah. on, because, because, like, they're obviously starting their own fucking furrow. And I think I read an interview, actually, with the singer from the Murder Capital, and he was kind of saying, like, I don't want to do the sound like thing. He got kind of stroppy about it, which, to be fair, like, I mean, I'd say he's an interesting interview. Uh, they do have stuff to say. I'm just not connecting to it yet. So let's see what the future holds. But for now, back the hype train up a little bit. Yeah. Um, moving on to a band that is very much wrapping up, sadly. Um, it's a bit of a curtain call. It's the Cranberries um, releasing their last album soon. This is the first single from it. It's um, all over now. Yeah, so um, the anniversary of Dolores Reardon's passing was uh, recent enough. Um, this has arrived, and I mean, the first thing you recognise is lyrically how closely it mirrors um, her sad passing. Which That's is, really yeah, spooky. Uh, so yeah, she references one of those things. Hotel room in London. Yeah, um, this is kind of classic cranberries, really. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the best things they've done in last decade or so. Yeah, happily, it's good, and like we're not yeah. just saying that. Like it is good. It reminds you of the spark that they have together, and it reminds you of what a just phenomenal vocalist she was. I saw like some comments this week on uh, on American kind of things that were written about them because I wanted to see how how that would go across the water. And there was one guy who wrote on a stereo gun post, and he kind of just like gave his own experience about the cranberries. And then he had one extra line. The extra line said, I miss Dolores. She was really underrated. And I kind of thought, you know what? I think she was underrated. Yeah. I mean, I don't, and I don't want to, like, you know, do the thing of, like, the posthumous thing. But she was always recognized. You know, she's often referred to as iconic. And she definitely was in her way. But I do think that in the bigger conversation, like, was she ever really in there? She's a fabulous vocalist. Like, yeah. Has a real command. And that's heard here. The guys, the remaining members of the band wrote a very long post on their website announcing this new this final album which they finally went back to put together and just how it's been an incredibly difficult process for them very emotional knowing that they would never be together again never play these songs live um, we're in the studio knowing that this is the last time we're ever going to write a Cranberries album the album's called In The End it'll be out soon and after that the band will be breaking up upon impact essentially uh, her legacy continues a lot of tributes paid this week won by Vic Mensa of all people yeah who that was did an emo based cover of Zombie which was pretty good until the course um this is a classic cranberry song as you say but it's in, it's impossible to remove the context yeah 
um, which makes it quite a tough listen, which probably obviously wasn't intended. Um, but yeah, it, it's true what you say. I mean, people always talk about how distinctive her voice is, but uh, yeah, like the actual technical ability and the way with melody goes kind of um, unheard a little. Uh, but yeah, this is like, it sounds like a lot of things I love. It's got the Cure's kind of forest guitars going on. It's very C86 bands, you know, those kind of 80s indie things, which I guess they were born in um so yeah it's a it's a nice kind well, of the studio heads i, I spoke yeah, to they one, really are, i yeah. spoke to one of them once like specifically to talk tech like and talk about the equipment and, and what, what it was like and you can tell i mean like very good prowess know exactly what they're up to and it must have been especially hard to bring that level of commitment and dedication and knowledge to your the the sonics of your work while having to listen to these vocals all the time so i i think the album will be very intriguing epitaph, and I will listen to it. Uh, they are a pains to say that they didn't want to do it unless it did her justice, and I don't believe they would release anything that wouldn't, so definitely one to embrace, I think, rather than look forward to. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, next up, um, Brandon Flowers has seen fast food being served in the White House, and he's not having it. <laughs> this is The Killers. In the land of the free We got more people locked up Killers with Land of the Free, a protest song with a protest video by Spike Lee. Yeah, great. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Fucking hell. Can we talk about Spike Lee for a second? Yeah, sure. Specifically, specifically uh, his most recent film, for which he's been quite hailed, Black Klansman. Yeah. Uh, I've heard mixed, very mixed. Absolute garbage. Oh, is it? Okay. Rubbish. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Uh, particularly the end of the film in which Spike Lee pulls a student filmmaker level move and <laughs> explains the entire film that you've just watched oh to you and I'm God. like fuck this no I mean like look I understand sentiment and relation to current world events and the message is obviously fair and true but ham-fisted didactic that's unenjoyable yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Didactic's the word I was going to use. Um, this is just such a basic protest song. The thing is, the killers always have this in them, unfortunately. <laughs> like, they, you know, you go right back to Samstown where they became Bruce Springsteen for an album. Um, oh, yeah, this the, is... You, this you know, is the more the obvious most, caricature of Bruce... Yeah, but the caricature of Springsteen. And uh, this isn't really the way to play a protest song. It's very mawkish. You've got the choir coming in like you two when they lost run themselves around rattling home. You know, it's just very... I thought it was quite proud of itself. Yeah. It's kind of smug. It is kind of smug. Um, well, it's... Uh, if we talk about the lyrics for a second, it's it's got a lot of this thing of like Brandon Flair is talking about like the old man that he is now, even though he sounds like nothing like an old man. Looks or, about 30. Um, him talking about how he can drive down the street and it's fine because he's a white guy but if you're the wrong colour um, you have to look over both shoulders and it's like yeah it's it's awful but really this is such a ham-fisted way I also to approach don't, it I don't really believe that Brandon Flair is it's, but it was such who a, I like by the way yeah. but I, I don't believe that Brandon Flair is kept awake at night by worrying about black people I just don't yeah, no, he seems like a nice no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he doesn't care Yeah, I don't think it like drives his day 
Yeah, it, it it felt very like Live Aid or like Feed the World. It felt very, you know, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Just, you know, rich, <laughs> the best rich lyric of white, all time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just rich white rock stars going, do you know what? I'm going to sort this out. Yeah, um, I didn't like this yeah. at all. And I, do you know what? The Killers have been doing some good work. And he strikes me as like, he's endlessly fascinating to me because mm-hmm. they come out with some kind of quirky things occasionally they have some you know bulletproof songs um and he is this quite like straight laced all-american guy from like las vegas who was also into like pet shop boys and kind of you know queer artists and huge british influence huge british influence and you know there was always the feeling that he could maybe get a bit more avant-garde and occasionally he touches on it like they'll work with Lou Reed and yeah, do some interesting the exact stuff. same song yeah tranquilize but then he'll just go back to this default mode of trying to be Bruce Springsteen and it doesn't work yeah it's a shame I think the world is better with the killers in it yes most definitely but this is garbage and like he can he can write lyrics I mean the man from a year or two ago that was quite no, the singles know, quite off a good that. character the single, run for cover yeah. and the man were excellent singles so. derivative as they may be and the album had its moments but generally yeah I don't know. Not a lot of power here. But we got one song left. Yeah, speaking of derivatives, Sam Smith. Yeah, get ready for a fucking rant, by the way. Sam Smith featuring Normani. It's a duet called Dancing with a Stranger. Dave, go for it. <laughs> See, this is difficult because Attack. it's very difficult to, to, to discuss this in the sense that, like, I think I mentioned this on the show before. I work in an office where it's, it's open plan and everyone has access to Spotify and there's no uh, coherent regula- regulated system in place. People can just put on whatever they want and songs often get bounced off and you hear the same stuff over and over again. It's chaos. Yeah. I, and it really, really bugs me. Um, it gets under my skin. But more to the point, um, last year, uh, because the people who seem to dominate the music uh, in the office have horrendous taste, uh, you would hear a lot of the same songs, uh, which sounds fine. Real first world problem, I know, just put on your headphones, yes, but also it can be very difficult to concentrate on your work. So essentially, last year I would have heard, I, I don't listen to the radio generally, you know, and one of the reasons is because I just don't want to be fed that diet. But I was fed that diet a lot in work because I heard like George Ezra Shotgun and Drake God's Plan. <laughs> Sorry, and, I just immediately started uh, thinking of Razor Light and right. all the songs on the radio. Yeah, yeah. and I heard, uh, yeah, I'm the Johnny Burrell of No Encore. <laughs> and I heard like, you know, um, Sam Smith, uh, Promises, and also with, with the one with, Cal- yeah, with Calvin Harris, I believe, uh, Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa. Yeah. Ariana Grande is on all the time because, you know, like... I guess for a lot of people, liking Ariana Grande is a fucking personality trait. Uh, essentially, so... I heard a lot of crap in the last fucking year of my life. Uh, really homogenous, uh, horribly algorithm-friendly frequency, uh, like kind of compressed pop music that I don't like. And my kind of thing this week when I heard this song was, I was like, ha, huh, wouldn't it be gas? Uh, I wouldn't actually do this, but wouldn't it be hilarious if I sent an all-male to the office going, hey guys, 
um, there's a really there's, there's a brand new, really generic uh, club track with Sam and Smith out. You know, just you might want to add it to the Spotify rotation. Yeah. I didn't need to go to the songs of the week playlist over the last couple of days. Uh, because it's been played in the office I would approximate about 97 times in the last 24 hours bless you sir and I'm sick of this stuff and to me and again look I really I know how I sound and if anyone from the office is listening to this maybe they'll be like well fuck you but ultimately I I've, I've lost my patience with people with a taste in music so basic that it is actually a character defect for me I don't care how that sounds if you have to listen to this song on repeat, <laughs> it will begin to fuck with your brain. I'm not having it. Uh, I have to put up with it, but I'm not having it because this song is, it's just a maths equation. It's There's no life to it. There's no love to it. You talk about cynical music. It is designed just to be played in offices. It's designed to be played on the radio. There's nothing to it. Sam Smith could be anybody apart from his voice that we know. Normani, uh, don't know her. Fair is better, I think. Fair is better, but yeah. like again, what are you singing about? What is yeah. it? It's just like the standard, uh, you know, four four beat, and like it does everything you think it will do, and it does it uh, immaculately because that's what this stuff is. And people who don't like music think it's great. Because Let's, they're fucking <laughs> idiots, and I'm sick of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking how, sick of it. How many times was it played? It's very. It's I'm fucking very, sick of it. It's not even that bad of a song. Yeah, but it's monotonous. It's repetitive. I've heard it a million fucking times. Well, it's a, it's a I'm it's sick your, of it. It's your generic kind of like Quincy Jones reheated thing of like that Drake did exceptionally well five years ago, but it's still. You know, I think what bothers me the most out. is that we, is that we're we're so tolerant of this. We're so celebratory of it. I'm like. I'm not about to turn into fucking Julian Casablancas now, former guest of the show, and <laughs> and ask why Ariel Pink can't be bigger than Ed Sheeran. I understand it. It's a worthwhile I'm question. Not, listen, I'm not. I'm in, okay, I'm, I'm in this really tough position now, okay? Because I'm in this kind of like, I'm about to say the words, I'm not saying I'm better than you. But you know what? No, I am. I am. I have better taste in music than you do. Not you, the royal you. Yeah. People who like this. I, I got it, Dave. <laughs> I just, I do. I absolutely fucking do because I dedicate like, I do this show, I love doing this show, yeah. I try and expand my palette as best I can. My palette could absolutely be expanded much further. I've got friends who clearly have better knowledge of music than I do, and, you know, like, are, have more love for the quote-unquote classics and so on and so forth. I'm very flawed when it comes to my music listening, I absolutely am. And I love being a music journalist, and I love uh, listening to all kinds of different things where I possibly can. And even though this Songs of the Week is curated with biggish names and so on and so forth, I keep saying so on and so forth. What a fucking rubbish turn of phrase. <laughs> this song defeated me. This song really broke me. It broke me. So are you saying Sam Smith won Songs of the Week? It broke me, and I'm going to hear it tomorrow. I'm going to hear it again tomorrow. I'm going to hear, yeah. hear it again tomorrow. And like it, this, it's, it's the start of the year. This is going to be on the fucking office playlist for the whole year. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do yeah well like obviously I didn't have as much of a problem because I listened to it five times so <laughs> um, but I didn't like it it does what it does fine but it's yeah it is so unaware much like the kind of subject matter it is a thing of just like I'm dancing with a stranger to get back on you it's just like anyone that's ever like that's like they don't care mate the other person doesn't care <laughs> Do you know what I mean we've all seen those people that are like oh, I'm gonna hit on this other person and make the other person jealous 
Some That's people, what this song is. Some people care. That's what Sam Smith some is. Some people care about the concert. Well, yeah, I know, but like, I can't walk back. What, you know, what you know, I just said. I, I, I probably <laughs> came across like a complete prick, but like at the same time, I genuinely. You've essentially been musically waterboarded for the week, so I think that's for the fair. week. I've been musically waterboarded for the last six months, <laughs> or whenever those fucking speakers came into the office. Like we don't need them. Oh my god, a sonic waterboarding. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. No. Let's wrap up songs of the week. Yeah, we got an album to talk about. We do, which I guess you know references sonic waterboarding in its weird way because it's an attack on the world that we live in, and also perhaps reclamation of. Let's find out. This is Lost Under Heaven. We're back. Lost Under Heaven, their sophomore album. It's called Love Hates What You've Become. That is the opening track. It's called Come. It's a 10-track album. It follows up a record called Spiritual Songs for Lovers to Sing. Which is the reason, kind of, why Colm's no longer on the show. We reviewed that album in yeah. our, I think it was our seventh episode. He saw there was a second album coming. <laughs> I was like, I'm done, lads. Yeah, we were big fans of it. Craig yeah. Primer. Um, so I guess our minor infatuation with... Um, Ellery Roberts from this uh, this band and Woo Life starts with Woo Life about eight or nine years ago. Um, a Manchester heavy pop band they were styled as. Um, they kind of had a veil of anonymity. They were real kind of, I felt like a happening more than the band. Uh, Woo Life st- standing for World Unite, Lucifer Youth Foundation quite brilliantly. They released one terrific album. Um, they kind of unveiled themselves and started doing straightforward interviews People started to get a little bored, um, mainly the lead singer. He said, Woo Life is dead to me now, and now he's doing this. Um, and quite well, I think. You think so? Yeah, well, up until this point. Um, as we've said, huge fan of the debut record. With this, I worry he's coming a bit more into the spotlight, and I'm losing something. The focus being on him a little bit, and mainly his lyrics... Um, okay, so uh, for Cullum, it was the voice. He Cullum, yeah. Cullum couldn't get past this guy's voice. I love the voice. The voice is I like love the voice too. gravelly, fucking strange signal, and I, I adore it. It's yeah. very, very, very put on, but that's fine. Very pretentious band in general. That's fine. Um, I loved Woo Life. I one of my great regrets in life was I had tickets to their gig in Wheelands and I didn't go. Oh. And apparently, it was amazing. And they broke up shortly afterwards. Uh, I love the album. Uh, I really a big fan of Spiritual Songs for Lovers to Sing, the first shot in anger from Lost Under Heaven. Mm-hmm. This one is okay. So if the first album, which had a lot more kind of, I think, um, I guess, what's the word? Techno elements. I don't fucking know. I mean, like the Hacks and Cloak was co-producer, and there was a lot more kind of experimentation going on with regards to non-guitar-based instruments. Yeah, which, there's a lot of synths going on, and it also yeah. seemed like there was a concerted effort to okay, we're maybe getting rid of these um, more atmospheric woo life elements, but what we're giving you is huge anthems, kind of life-affirming. It's very stuff. anthemic. Yeah, for yeah. me, that album was, if I can make a comparison or an analogy, uh, that was kind of like being in a nightclub when the news had come through that the world was going to end 
And in that nightclub, which was going to go until the break of dawn, you had incredibly pulsating anthemic stuff, and you had kind of moments of introspection, and it ends on a note of ambiguity that can work for both good and bad. And there's a sense of togetherness and communion and love and light. With this one, it's as if the world's ending is occurring, and you find yourself in a rough dive bar, and on stage, clad in leather, are the new Lost Under Heaven with a band. And it's kind of like, you know, a bit more raucous, a bit more rocky, a bit more kind of like, you know, recorded in a shed type situation going on. Still mm. still some very immaculate production happening. Uh, more abrasive, uh, definitely less, I think, light, a bit less hope. Yeah, most definitely. Did it, it weigh you down? grimness at times, yeah. Yeah, it kind of weighs you down. I mean, like, it starts off and it does have a big, bright number. And it kind of recaps that by the end, but there is a like it's only ten tracks here, and like fast enough, you're getting into some heavy territory. And I don't know if they've nailed the balance this time. I think when the pace slackens and you get, I don't know if it's a dive bar, but maybe it's like almost like campfire songs at the end of the world, more sedate stuff, almost kind of like uh, like soaked in opium at times. It's it's quite, it feels heavy in a way that can occasionally be uncomfortable. It can, it can, yeah, it can definitely weigh down on you. I, I felt that. Um, now, vocal duties have been much more shared and balanced out this time around. Um, Ebony Horn uh, is doing a lot more, which I think actually works in its favour to the extent of, there was times throughout this where, for the first time, his voice started to sound a bit repetitive to me. And some of the phrasing was, okay, I've heard that before. And wasn't quite working for me, but every time that was creeping in, never annoyed me really. We would get Ebony Horn, and she acquits herself really well. Some of the best songs are um, fronted by her. But I mean, yeah, it is kind of abrasive at times. When it loses that pace, I I don't know. It it kind of drifts for me. Yeah, the pacing is strange. It, it's odd, yeah. You have this kind of immediate jolt, um, this very rocky kind of thing with techno influence. It's almost like Muse, except good. Um, <laughs> but then you have this, um, the tide goes back out and the next kind of couple of numbers are very sedate. Yeah. It's kind of tough to get your bearings. really is, Even yeah. on repeat listens. Very um, much so. I mean, the, the Breath of Light was the first song that we heard from this way back last summer, I think it was. And that is, it's a beautiful song. And it builds wonderfully, but it's track three on this when it should be probably track nine. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like, it's, it's one where odd. his his vocals are actually tremendous. Yeah, and, a, they, you, and they there's a desperation which really comes through. They lace like, back yeah. into themselves really, really yeah. beautifully. And yeah. like the yeah the desperation thing, uh, especially like during his kind of final run, it's very hard not to be kind of taken away by that. Yeah, um, and then you have kind of like yeah, it's it's a bit confused I think tonally because the the annoying thing about this album is that the highlights are really really good. Mm-hmm. Like I mean the opening track I'd say the Muse thing is a good comparison. Bunnings Blues is nice enough. Brett Lie is amazing. Title track I think works really really well. The final two tracks work really well for me as well. I mean even if one of them is called Post Millennial Tension, that didn't work for the me. The track no, I like the track quite a bit. I love the track. I love the build, and then when we get to it taking off, it's really selling that title in in mm. essence do you know what I mean yeah maybe again it's just my weird lyric shield that I have in front of me sometimes <laughs> my uh, generation's burning and still we sing our love songs it's a bit 
kumbaya mate i don't know yeah i guess if i heard that from some bloke down the you know who bought his first real six string down the five and dime yeah i'd probably be like yeah jog on <laughs> but again context uh i think the closing track for the wild which you also previously heard is a great tremendous way to yeah. end the record and again a bit of a note of ambiguity what i take from this is that i would like a third album as part of like a series of novels here and if i can continue my end of the world analogy i'm very curious to see where they go next uh, however i do find this not anywhere near as vital as I found the previous album and I wonder if it's because they chose to get into the mire and the murk so explicitly. I think in terms of their mission statement it's a success however I don't know how often I'm going to go back to this and that is a shame because I really support this band love that vocal like the worlds that they conjure up but something about it has left me on the other side of the fence. Yeah I think it's going to be one of those where I take handful of songs and I go on my way which well I think I think it's the record they want to deliver I think that is a failure because it's clearly an album that has a narrative it's structured in such a way that they're trying to they're ambitious they're trying to tell uh, do you know what we're close to this apocalypse and we've something to say about it I think they're too I think the things they say about it are too crystal clear at times and we go back to that like ambiguity and the reasons I love Woo Life was because you could kind of project things onto them. Do you know what I mean? There was something kind of quite haunting and but then also vital about what they were doing. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, when R.E.M. transitioned from Michael Stipe being like this indecipherable just mumbler uh, to becoming... Uh, actually a very talented lyricist but then in the end uh, quite obvious at times and you miss that kind of you wish R.E.M. had gone back into the kind of southern murk and sometimes I, I just want a bit more blur on what Lost Under Heaven are doing if that makes any sense <laughs> it's been a long podcast <laughs> I think it makes sense within the parameters of what the album is yeah for sure it's tough you gotta feel your way yeah. are we going six here? Yeah, it's more in a world of no sevens. In a world of no sevens, it's more of a six. Yeah, I want to give a seven for just I like them. Yeah, they've earned some goodwill. I I think think. it's a six. Um, Uh, Yeah, grab bag, take four songs off it, and and keep moving. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. uh, Let's keep moving to other listening corner. Yeah, other listening corner. What's been on your playlist, Dave? (laughs) As we close the show, Um, I have been listening to the new James Blake album called Assume Form, which is out now as per this dropping. We're not going to talk about it until next week, though. No, we're not talking about it at all. We're going to review it next week. Um, Excited. I've also given a couple of spins <laughs> to picture this. We're also not talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Their album is called Modern Love. Uh, it comes out next month, I believe, and I've heard it. I've heard it now a couple yeah. of times, and I'm not going to talk about it. I will talk about Charlotte Gainsbourg's uh, new EP, which is called Take Two, um, which I was drawn to initially because she covers Runaway by Kanye. Um, it's not a very successful cover because she just she plays it with a quite straight bat and it doesn't work. But I appreciate the effort. Um, there's another co- like a cover too on that EP, but the three originals that are on it are very good. Uh, up there with her last album, Rest, which was surprisingly tremendous. And I say surprisingly just because I wasn't really aware of her output in the past. Her album Five Fifty Five is phenomenal. Okay, was it not? Was that a Beck collaboration or Jarvis Cocker? I know she's. I've always kind of overlooked her. You know, her LPs. That I don't know. Yeah, I just remember buying it on on compact disc on a whim. Oh, really? Back in like oh five or something. There's a track on there called Everything I Cannot See. Okay, and it is one of the best songs I've ever heard. 
I will check it out. Um, this, yeah, Rest was, I think, the first album where she was writing her own lyrics and composing her own songs. And it's a bit of a triumph. So that's worth checking out as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. This episode of No Encore, which you've just listened to, uh, was engineered by our sonic architect, Eve Murray. Next week on the show, Dahi Adroni returns. Woo! And we should have another <laughs> guest as well. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Let's find out. Question mark. We'll see what happens. Uh, exit music this week. New Irish music. Coming to you live from an act by the name of Upbeat. Uh, he has just put out a new EP. It's called Enter Aquarius, which I presume Craig will imagine is some kind of 70s uh, razzmatazz situation. But it's not. <gasps> no, it's more of a, I think, edgy, gritty hip-hop situation okay. with some interesting sonic textures of its own. Uh, he has said that he feels that Ireland is more than just one specific sound or story. His goal with this EP was to create music that a whole country would feel connected to and not just people from certain areas. So, yeah, let's see if he was successful. I really like it. This song is called Purple Lights. You can check out the Enter Aquarius EP by Upbeat on all your major stream platforms and local news agents right now. My name is David Hanready. This has been No Encore. I apologise to the people I work with. (laughs) See you next week. There will be no encore. Grab your body now Under the purple lights That is what you said Texting all caps cause you say I don't listen When we used to talk always end up in kisses Now we don't talk cause we feel something different I think that you need me back in your system Purple lights and white wine darling I'll have you tripping Constellations You're bad when you mo- oh, oh, Darling, do a rotation I'll take you to the mo- oh, oh, Explore constellations You're bad when you mo- oh, oh, Darling, do a rotation We'll be okay I think I'll find
a Pisces This is not you, how you like this? I'ma go rogue right away like the pirates Still the line like try deny and deny Spend so much time with women need more privacy This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.